to the Inspiring Sustainability podcast and live videocast. I'm delighted today to be here with uh, John Elkington, who I earlier today say, termed as the, the sage of sustainability. I'm sure he's delighted with that. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I'm really uh, feel very grateful to be here uh, because uh, John has been working actually in this field since I was in nappies. Um, he started as a consultant working on environmental impact assessments in uh, 1974 and then uh, moved on to being founding editor of the ENG report. He then co-founded the think tank uh, Sustainability uh, when the Brunton report was uh, released in 1987, uh, which was also a time that I got first interested in sustainability because I can trace it directly because I was designing a wind turbine for my O-level craft and design course. Um, over this period, he since then, he's written 19 books and somehow finds the time to be visiting professor at three different universities and on the board of over 20 organisations. And um, one of John's claims to fame is that he invented the role, uh, the concept of people, profit, people, planet, profit. Um, now, this personally had a big effect on me because I founded and ran for six years a specialist behaviour change consultancy, which I called people, profit, planet. Um, so I kind of uh, co-opted that name and uh, it gave me the inspiration for a beautifully alliterative name. So I just want to thank you for that first off. Um, now, uh, seeing more opportunities for, uh, to inspire sustainability, eight years ago, John uh, founded Volans, which is where we're sitting at the moment, and uh, which describes itself as a catalyzer of breakthrough change. And uh, uh, what has inspired this conversation today is a report that uh, Volans has launched called Breakthrough Business Models, Exponentially More Social, Lean, Integrated and Circular. So welcome, John. Thank you for that. That's Thank a, you, Adam. Um, a comparatively long introduction, but uh, that was kind of concertinaing it down. So what I'd maybe like you to do is just give a brief introduction, maybe to your, uh, your role here at Volans, because we'd be here for the whole interview if we talked about your career. Um, Maybe talking uh, uh, also, maybe a little bit about life outside of work as well. That's a fairly big set of um, so questions, but um, well, the headlines of Volans then. Well, founded nine years ago, um, spinning out of two organisations, Sustainability and the World Economic Forum, um, and the idea was that there were a growing number of social entrepreneurs um, and impact that investors, as we would now call them springing up around the world doing wonderful work uh, and often completely off the radar screen from, from mainstream business. So the question was, how would you bridge between those um, worlds in a way? And I suppose it was um, a rerun of what I'd done perhaps 30, 35 years ago from today's perspective mm -hmm. with NGOs, activist campaigners, yep. getting them into the, uh, the world of business. And to do that, you really had to prep both sides. I mean, you had to help the uh, green pieces of this world to sort mm -hmm. of understand business and how you really drive change from the inside, not just the outside. But at the same time, you had to try and prep the uh, business people who were going to be exposed to these folk at close quarters, mm -hmm. so they didn't run a fever reaction, which mm -hmm. you know some of them were quite inclined uh, to do at the time. So, in a way, what we're doing is trying to say that are these bits of the market. Uh, tomorrow's market realities, which are sort of 
evolving, and they often evolve on the edges of today's system. Mm -hmm. and, and companies, because they're very much focused down on, on today's bottom line and, 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 and a set of metrics which are relatively short term, they, they miss all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to uh, bring all of that in. And, and, and now, we've just about a year ago gone through, through a, a process of saying, we'll continue with the social innovative, social entrepreneur, impact investor work and, and bridge, bridging into the world of mainstream business. But we see a, a dislocation coming in this whole um, sustainability area. And there are people who uh, are talking about exponential change, exponential mm -hmm. mindsets, mm -hmm. exponential technologies, exponential business models. Um, and so w we talk about breakthrough change and the need for breakthrough change. Mm -hmm. So uh, no longer can we simply rely on incrementalism mm -hmm. uh, to get us through. We're basically going to have to rethink everything, and it's, it's very easy to tell other people to disrupt their business models. <laughs> I think the sustainability industry now has to disrupt its own agenda, mindset, and business models. That's very interesting. Um, so it's uh, so that's actually led us into the kind of breakthrough business models, and um, so t tell me a bit more about that report and what what, what that's about. Well, the, the report came out a few months uh, back. It was um, commissioned by uh, the Business and Sustainable Development Commission. So this is, a, in effect, a, a consortium of many of the established business-to-business -business, uh, platforms in the sustainable development and sustainable business worlds. Uh, so, for example, uh, the World Economic Forum, the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, the UN Global Compact, the B Team, and so on. The, the, the last time I looked, there are 40 commissioners. So this is, a, this is a, a, another, it's actually a bridge-building exercise between bridge-building uh, platforms, in a way. And, 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 and they've been doing a number of, commissioning a number of different um, uh, areas of research work. And, and uh, we were asked to look at the, uh, the business model uh, side. And all of this is feeding into a report that will be launched um, in Davos uh, early in 2017. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was to review the literature and, and, on, on, on business models, and, and, and there's a lot of it, uh, as mm. you might imagine. I mean, the, the, the language has changed uh, over the, uh, the years, but one of the striking things that we found was that when we went to talk to people who were, for example, chief sustainability officers in companies, and we'd say, tell us about the business model of your company, mm -hmm. they'd struggle. Mm. Now, the problem what is in it for business? You know, some of it's mm. financial, but some of it's reputational and, and the, the sort of the capacity to pull in talent and, and, and hold talent and so on. But some of it is, 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 is taking us in a different direction. So business case for action is fine if you're going to be passive about this. Say, we'll do mm. what the market dictates. But if the market is dumb, if the market is missing some really important signals from the future and failing to drive the necessary change. How do you how do you jump beyond that? And, and one of the ways I think you can is by thinking about the well. Firstly, what technologies might take you in that new set of directions, uh, but also what business models might you construct around those technologies. So people will often refer to Uber and uh, you know, the taxi space or the, the uh, Airbnb and hotels space, or whatever. But there is a proliferation of innovators and entrepreneurs uh, now around the world come up with very different ways of doing things. Mm. So two questions then. First is, 
how can we use the better parts of some of that work to drive the sustainable development mm -hmm. uh, goal delivery process? But also, um, we know every time you get a new technology, every time you get a business, a new business model, history shows that there are unintended consequences. Mm. And so, what's going to happen when we, you know, dive into machine learning and big data and mm. artificial intelligence and synthetic biology and geoengineering, all of this stuff, assuming it's going to be good for sustainability, only to find that there are certain aspects of these technologies of business models which are completely cross-cutting what we want to do. So the project we're now doing with the Global Compact is trying to engage some of the people driving that new uh, economy um, at an early enough stage to influence their thinking. Uh, and the business models piece is in a way, um, uh, it's a sort of like a sort of calling card. Mm. You know, we're, we're on your case, we're, you know, we're, we're paying attention, can we have a conversation? And the interesting thing is people are really very interested to have that set of conversations. And do you think with those conversations, is that because they're thinking about this in a, because of the business side or because of the sustainability side or both? Well, I think it would have been possible to distinguish between the two uh, until as recently as five, six, seven years ago. I think what's happening now is that for all sorts of different reasons, what used to be characterized as, as sustainability issues are coming smack bang into the heart of, of business. So if you're, a, if you're a reinsurer, for example, underwriting insurance uh, providers, you're suddenly being faced by, uh, and this is built over the last sort of 10 to 15 years, but, but in their uh, world, they're suddenly being faced by data and trends which show that, that <laughs> The, 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 the losses, the damages incurred by uh, natural disasters, uh, many of them linked to uh, climate change, global warming and so on, it's really spooking them. Mm. And, and, and there's only so much you can do uh, by raising premiums and, mm. or, or, or and setting you know, tougher conditions on those you're insuring. And you think about California, which is just emerging from three to four years of really intensive uh, drought. Um, you think about the sort of the plastics industry, and you go back to the film The Graduate, you know, mm. one word uh, summary of the future plastics. Well, yeah, thanks very much, but now the ocean is full of this stuff. Mm. And the question is, what the hell are we going to do to um, firstly stop uh, the, 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 the sort of incredible inputs of polymers and so on, plastic waste uh, from countries like uh, China, uh, Brazil? Um, but, but then, how, how do we actually design a, an increasingly circular uh, economy? And, and, and that, uh, the circular economy concept, is something that started out on the margins, Alan mm. MacArthur, a bunch of other people, in a sense, relabeling and repurposing an agenda that had been around for about 40, 50 years. Mm. Uh, but very effectively, I mean, mm. it, through the World Economic Forum and elsewhere, it's really got into the corporate um, conversation. Uh, no. So I, 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 all, all I'm saying is I think you once could have legitimately separated mm. business and sustainability and now they're, they're, they're mashing up in, in, in an unholy uh, mess, but in, in, in quite constructive ways sometimes. Well, that's, I mean, it's interesting because one of the things obviously is, it, and also it's the exponential you're saying it's going to be growing so rapidly. And of those sort of four areas that you know, have a headline in the report, the social, lean, integrated and circular, 
is there uh, one that you kind of you find the most interesting, or that's getting the most traction, or to you know maybe talk about one of them? Well, no, it's a, it, 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 it's a good question, but the answer is probably not because we see them as a sort of complex and nexus. Yeah. They're, 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 they're either working together or they're going to have to do so. Mm. But if I had to pick one. Uh, then I think I would pick the social piece because mm. I think we tend uh, to focus on technologies, we tend to focus on uh, business models, we tend to focus on uh, financial markets and, and, and government policy and so on. But so much of this is psychological, it's behavioral, it's cultural. Um, and we haven't been that great at, at, at engaging that side of mm. uh, things. Many years ago, in um, 1988, with a colleague, uh, Julia Hales, co-founder of Sustainability, um, I did a book called The Green Consumer Guide, and it sold something like a million copies in 18 months. And the reason was that ordinary people, and that's not dismissive, it was just you know, people in their ordinary lives, mm. everyday lives, suddenly became spooked by what was happening in the stratospheric ozone. Many mm. people were telling friends of the earth and others were telling them, you know, what you're doing every day with an aerosols, uh, the propellants are, are, are chewing this huge great hole in the, the protective stratosphere. And, 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 and they really became quite worried and they wanted to do things. Uh, and so we, with the book, gave them a, a set of ways to think about that and then options and then uh, brand level choices mm. or product level choices that they could Make. And that, that, for a period of time, had a really big impact on retailers and manufacturers and, 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 and agricultural uh, companies to some degree as well. Yeah. But a lot of that doesn't last very long. I mean, it's, mm. it, because it's a fashion-driven mm. thing to some degree, or it becomes so quite quickly. Yeah. And the media pick these things up and they play with them. And uh, so people, you know, we're all distractible. We all have very busy lives. So we, we, we can't think about all this stuff every moment of our, our you know, our, our, our waking lives. So this sort of stuff, if you're lucky, peaks for about three to four years and then fades. Mm. And that's a problem because actually what we need is to build uh, the appropriate sort of cultural and behavioral um, dynamics right into everything uh, that people do. So it's actually, it, they don't even think about it. They, they, they by default, yeah. they do the right thing. So if we, for example, rather than owning a car, driving out every morning and commuting to work. If we get to the point where different mass transit systems or at the margins, uh, autonomous vehicles, which are playing into the sharing economy and so mm. on, people would, would just do that because mm. it was the right thing, rather than uh, having to make the conscious choice every morning, do I go by bus or do I go, mm. oh, well, I've got things to carry, I'll go by the car. So I, I think the cultural and, and, and the social piece is the biggest area of challenge, uh, and probably, for me it's going full cycle, because um, in the 60s I went to university first time around to do economics, mm -hmm. I gave it up after one year in 1968, <laughs> because it seemed to have nothing to do with what was going on in the wider world yeah. that year, and I took up sociology and social psychology, but I didn't like you know, the whole social work, and stuff. not that it is important, it is, and with social entrepreneurship I've come back into this space. But now it, 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 it's coming back with a vengeance. It, it, it's a question of not just simply how do we program our, our uh, processes or our companies and supply chains. It's how do we actually start to, over time, reprogram, recode our societies. Yeah. And that, that, that sounds manipulative, and not, but we've got to do it. Well, I, no, it's something I, I'm, I'm 
turned into being a big fan of. I'm actually planning to, to launch a, a book next year, which I've written, uh, called Action, with the working title, Action Creates Belief. Because the, 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 the intuitive is that it's belief that creates action. But for most people, most of the time, they take action, they get some results, and then they kind of retrofit their beliefs to yeah. fit with those. And, um, and my experience is actually many people in sustainability, me included, have uh, spent many years laboring under the misapprehension that because we believe it, that we need to get everybody else to believe it, and then they'll do what we, we want them to do. And it's worked to a fashion, but it's not really created the, the paradigm shift that we wanted. So actually, it's, it's going the other way around. So that's what I'm, I'm personally focused on. And I think, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of what you're talking about. Now, something I'd like to kind of just uh, uh, focus on um, is really where, where you get inspiration from. Um, so, obviously, being this in this for a, a long time, you kept yourself going. What sort of things or people have have kind of given you some inspiration to to, to be keep driving at this because it's been a long journey and many battles. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's. Um I think it's partly genetic. My, my, my father, both my parents are still alive in their mid-90s. My father's just come back from Archangel in Russia. He was on the, he was a battle brick pilot. He was in the, on, on the Arctic convoys. And he just, he's like a Duracell bunny. He just <laughs> continues to crank around the world. So in some ways, I think there, I, there's, a, there's an element of uh, genetics to all of this. Um, but I also think that uh, I, I, I take huge inspiration from um, a very wide range of um, people. And so in, in the early days, it would have been people like Bucky, Buck, 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 Buckminster Fuller, mm. um, uh, Paolo Soleri, I mean, people who were trying through design, through architecture, through engineering to do new things um, uh, and address the sustainability uh, agenda. It would be people like Stuart Brand with the whole Earth catalogue. Um, and then over time, I met a number of those people, and then I started to work with the next generation mm. uh, of people. So people like um, Amy Lovins, Paul Hawkins, mm. Janine Benius of the Biomimicry Institute, and so on. And now there's a there's a there's a very different uh, generation coming through. And, and again, um, for whatever reason, they they're getting in touch, or or, or, or we're going the other way around. And um, I don't know. I, I've, I've sometimes described um, try to explain to people the nature of what we do is a bit like surfing. You're waiting for these waves to start to build, yeah. and they don't always build exactly where you'd expect them to mm. uh, develop. And, and, and then the, part of the trick is to get on at the right angle and uh, <coughs> uh, the, 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 then ride the wave through. And in a way, I've done that in a series of different societal pressure waves that have uh, built through uh, since the 19. Well, actually, since, since the 19, late 1960s. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I read intensively. I, I'm very lucky. I, I, I speak at a lot of conferences around the year, probably sort of 40 to 50 conferences a, a, a year. Mm. So you're constantly meeting people. I went mm. to a dinner last night with people who are in 3D printing and you know, um, the, the editor of uh, Wired, uh, David mm. Rowan, um, the guy who runs Shard. I mean, just a really sort of disparate, group of uh, mm. people, but fascinating. Mm. Um, a woman who's uh, Af Afghani uh, originally and is helping uh, Syrian refugees in Greece. And I, I just find this, uh, I was born nosy. Uh, I, I, I like 
about learning. I like, yeah. I, so I like to be in spaces where you're almost forced uh, to learn. And in a way, what I've tried to do with the organizations I've been part of is to try and every so often when we begin to get comfortable because we think we know what we're doing and we know who's going to pay us for it mm. and all the rest of it, is to just sort of shunt us a little bit into the sort of discomfort uh, space. And we did that about a year ago here at Valence. And I, you know, it, was, it, was, it was intuitive, it was instinctive. Something I did, my colleagues didn't terribly like it, even I was uncomfortable. But within about three months, we had a series of projects that started to come towards us exactly in that new space. And I don't think we would have got those. Uh, certainly the biggest one we would not have got if we hadn't already been leaning into that mm. uh, future uh, space. So I, 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 I take inspiration from all over, all over the place. But unfortunately, I, at some level, I think I'm probably just a Duracell bunny. <laughs> that's great. Um, that's that's going to be a good headline. John Elkin to the sage of sustainability and the Duracell bunny. Well, it's better than the other day at the crowd, I was described as the Madonna of sustainability. <laughs> Constantly re, re, reshuffling and reshifting and the rest of it. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Um, so, yeah, so just to, to kind of wrap up, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, could you tell me maybe something that inspires you about the future? Blimey. Uh, at school, the, the subject that absolutely riveted me was history. Mm. Um, but one of the things I was fascinated in history was how people had seen the future mm. um, and how that had changed uh, over time. And in the 60s and 70s, I was, I was immersed in science fiction. I was talking to a lot of people who were talking about uh, the future. I never sadly got to, uh, for example, to meet uh, Alvin Toffler, who just died uh, this year. He did a book called Future Shock, but he did a book called The Third Wave, which was absolutely definitive uh, for me. I think that came out in um, 1980. Um, so the future is, is this sort of canvas that's out there that we, we um, uh, like to sort of paint our dreams uh, and nightmares mm. on. But for me, it, the, the future is a proxy, a shorthand for saying something rather different, which mm. is not, let's dream, let's have nightmares or whatever, but that as we build more complex societies and economies and technologies and the rest of it, and we embed them in a biosphere which itself is wildly complex and wildly challenged and starting to go in some really uncomfortable different directions, we've got to work out how to think much longer term. Mm. Um, and you know, people like Paul Pullman and Unilever have been saying mm. this for a while. There are a growing um, number of investors who are also uh, speaking to this uh, agenda, Jeremy Grantham being uh, one of them. Um, so I, I, I've always been interested in the future, but I've always done it from a deep interest in the past. And I think it was Winston mm. Churchill who once said, that the further you can look back into the past, the better you get some sense of where the future is going to take you. And I love Mark Twain's uh, comment that you know the future doesn't um, repeat George Santayana uh, notion, but 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 I'm not going to slightly overdramatize. But I got it rhymes. There are these rhythms, the patterns that come through, and I think where we are now is in what Joseph Schumpeter and before him Nikolai Kondratiev would have talked about as the end of a long wave economic cycle. Mm. I think we're coming off a fifth Kondratiev. Uh, wave. It's been running for about 45 uh, years. Uh, it's been largely built around IT. It's the environment in which the sustainable development uh, movement has almost totally uh, evolved. 
and yet no, we're headed the downward downslope. Mm. And there is this period where we're in the U-bend mm. um, of, of history, coming out into a sixth wave. Yeah. And part of that, what the challenge for all of us in the sustainability industry in particular, I think, yeah. is to play into that sixth wave environment, engage the people who are developing um, the future of business and of our economies and of our societies. And that's, that's partly what we're trying to do. Brilliant. Well, uh, we'll come to the end of the interview now. Thank you very much. Really Thank you, appreciated that. Um, Thank you. Looking forward to uh, getting this out into the world wider as well. So thank you and uh, uh, thank you for joining us on the Inspiring Sustainability podcast and live videocast. Here's Adam Woodall signing out. Goodbye.